Hey, Purpose Claremont. Hey, I just wanted to share with you a little bit something that stood out to me as I was reading this this morning out of Isaiah 55. Uh, before you jump in, let's pray and then uh, and then back into the passage. Jesus, thank you so much for, again for your word. I always thank you, but it's true. I'm so thankful that you gave us your word, that we might know you better. We might know our plight. We might know um, what you want us to do, how to live, what relationship with you looks like. Um, but I pray that today's encouragement um, to us and then a reminder of who you are compared to who we are not. Um, and may that give us peace. Pray this in your name. Amen. So out of uh, Isaiah 55, 1 through 11, start verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So, I mean, so far what, what God is saying, <clears throat> the idea that he's telling everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Waters was such a precious commodity then. It still is today. I mean, there's so many places around the world that don't have clean drinking water. And I'm so thankful for churches and organizations that are connected to Christ that their whole ministry is to bring drinking water to places that need it. Um, but this would be a huge invitation. They would have, they would have known, man. This is a this is this is a commodity for us to have waters. I mean, when you say everyone who thirsts come to the waters, that doesn't just sound like a bucket. That just sounds like, man, a lot, a lot of water. So come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. It's like you don't need money. You don't if you don't have it. Here's an excuse. I don't have any money to buy, and God's like, just come anyways. Just come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wine and milk would be staples for their diet. Um, you can get your necessities. And then he, then he asks this question, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And it, this is the, the convicting part a little bit. It's kind of like, what? how am I spending my time? How am I spending my resources? Is it... Is it on resources that really bring no true satisfaction? Is it just for entertainment's sake? And there's nothing. I'm not. I'm not saying that every form of entertainment is wrong. I'm just wondering if, um, if maybe we put so much emphasis on entertainment that it's just kind of like, it's kind of like instead of nourishing our bodies with things that it actually needs, we just keep giving it the things that taste good but not at but don't really satisfy us, which just makes us even more hungry. That when I'm hungry, and if I if I don't give it enough protein, my body stays hungry until I have protein, which would fill it up. But all of a sudden, when I'm not doing that, I stay hungry and I keep eating, I don't know, all the carbs, because I love carbs. If that's all I do, I'm going to stay hungry. But to fulfill the need of the body would actually bring satisfaction. He's like, are you filling your life with all this stuff that's not going to bring you true satisfaction? So then he gives advice. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. I love that. Like rich food. It's like, I want you to have good things. I don't want you to just, don't settle for mediocre. Don't settle for blah. Just, I want you to, I want, I want to bless you with rich foods. This is not a, this is not a passage that says you're going to never struggle. You're going to always have everything you've ever wanted. No, he's like, I really want to give you quality. I want to give you quality. Verse three, incline your ear and come to me. There's the invitation again. Come to me. You see the word come mentioned four times in the first verse. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk. And then all of a sudden, this is the most personal, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. 
and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him, speaking of David, a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So all peoples of the world will come. It's like we all want to know God. So this whole salvation thing is not just for us, but it's for, I'm sorry, it's not just for Israel. It's not like God saying, I'm only for you. In this time, he's actually opening up the idea, hey, I'm the God of all peoples. You shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God. Now to verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. The word seek, like to seek after, it's like put all the energy that you can into finding the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. That word return or that concept, those let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. It's like this repentance, like you've gone away from God, so repent and then accept the invitation to come to God. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Do you see the heart behind God here? He wants to show compassion to the, quote unquote, the wicked and the unrighteous. He wants to show compassion. So he's saying, repent. So turn away from your wickedness. Turn away from your unrighteousness. Return to the Lord, to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He wants to forgive. And he's like, well, how can it, how could this be true? Like, how could God really, really, truly want to do this? And I think it comes down to this. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the, high, I'm sorry, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we can sit and go, man, it's too good to be true. And God said, going, I know, I don't think like you. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. I'm often convicted that if the only time, um, I'm sorry, not the only time, but whenever I think that Hey, man, I heard God. If the only time I ever hear, think, wow, I really heard God say this is when I agree with it. I don't know that it's always him. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. If you automatically think that God looks at everything the way that you look at it, thinks the same way that you think, votes the same way that you vote, if that's honestly how you interact with God, he never convicts, never confronts, never challenges ideas or opinions, never changes or challenges or perspective, never goes against the whatever cultural norm is for you, then really what you've done is you've turned him into your own personal idol rather than going to the scriptures and going to God, wanting to be taught by him and changed by him, knowing that we aren't, we're not right. He's always right. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not his ways. How, how much smarter and how much bigger is he is as the heavens are higher than the earth. Guys, the heavens never stop. The universe is ever expanding and so he's like, that's how much smarter I am. Like my thoughts and my ways are so much bigger than yours. He says, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse 10, for as, this, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Watch, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it, this is the word, this is God's word, it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. How important is the word of God? Guys, it's what changes us. It's what changes the world. And every time that the word is shared, whether it's publicly from a pulpit, whether it's from a podcast or a video archive of a message, or anybody who follows Jesus 
and shares the word with anyone, just brings up passages and verses, or this is how God spoke to me when I read this, and you're just sharing God's word. It says, the Bible says that it accomplishes everything that God wants it to accomplish. It does not return empty, or maybe you're reading in translation, it doesn't return void, but it accomplishes that which I purpose. And I think when I looked up the word purpose, it's the word delight. It accomplishes that which I delight in, and it shall succeed in the, in the thing for which I sent it. So in, every time we share the word, it's actually God sharing his word for the purpose of what? Drawing the wicked to forsake, forsake their way, inviting the richest uh, the, the unrighteous to come and to turn to God, that God could show compassion on them and that God could abundantly pardon them of sins. Guys, we want a God to be beyond our thoughts and beyond our ways, the higher than the heavens and yet so personal that he actually says, come to me. Just such a beautiful invitation. Come to me. Guys, that's what stood out from this reading. Pray that you are blessed and challenged. Love you guys more than you know. We'll talk soon.